So we're kicking off a new uh, sermon series this morning, um, and it is a sermon series that comes, it's, it's based on the Gospel of Luke. Um, it is using some uh, lessons from Luke that sometimes uh, we overlook, but if you're familiar with Scripture, if you've um, grown up in the church, if you have spent time in the church studying Scripture, um, you probably know that Jesus says sometimes some pretty outrageous things. Um, there are some things that he says that infuriate the people around him. There are some things that he says that leaves the people around him far more confused than they were before he started talking. Uh, there are some stories that he tells that seem to be um, just the most complicated, like tongue twister riddle uh, that people just don't completely understand or they don't understand at all. And we're going to take the next four weeks to look at some of these passages of Scripture um, because they are a specific type of passage of Scripture. They're called parables. Uh, parables were stories that Jesus would use, somewhat simple stories, simple stories, that Jesus would use to uh, teach, um, to, to theologize, to share a little bit about, more about what God means. But it le oftentimes left the disciples thinking, wait, what and so we're actually going to practice that today. So it's going to be a call and response. So anytime I say wait, you say what? awesome. So wait. What? Great. Cool. So that's actually going to be the response that we have this morning because some of the things, and we're going to use that throughout the next three weeks, because some of the things that Jesus says just makes you think, wait. What? Uh, oh, that was a little bit softer that time. We'll get it. We'll get it squared away. <laughs> The one that we're going to look at this morning is, is it actually a fascinating passage of Scripture. Um, it is quite timely in my life, um, and so it's one that comes from the Gospel of Luke. It's uh, the 14th chapter. I'm going to start with verse 1, and then I'm going to skip to 7 through 14. Verse 1, you just need to know for the context of what's taking place. So the passage of Scripture, uh, Luke 14, verse 1, and then 7 through 14. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the place of honor, he told them a parable. He said, when you were invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Wait. This is the word, indeed, this is still the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, sometimes your word is so confusing. 
But yet we know that in the midst of the confusion, you still speak clearly to us. You still speak. The words on the page are not just left to be static words, but your spirit still moves through those words and enlightens our hearts and our minds and guides our path. So, Lord, might your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path this day. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So, it's about a wedding, and I got to say, I am so glad that Gabby is not here today to hear this sermon. Because Gabby and I, uh, my fiance and I, are getting married in about a month and a half, and we have been planning a wedding now for about 10 months. And while it has been lovely to plan, there have been moments when it has been less than lovely to plan. Uh, We're having a great time planning it, and we are very excited about getting married. But part of us, we're both coming to this place where we're not not sure if we're more excited um, to get married or to get it over with at this point. (laughs) Because there's constantly stuff to do. And I'll tell you that one of the major sticking points for us has been the guest list. So if Gabby were here this morning and she realizes that Jesus has something to say about our guest list and our uh, seating chart, I'm not, well, I'm just not sure what would happen at this point. We would have less than a pleasant holiday weekend. I fear, she's actually at a wedding right now, so my greatest fear is that she's going to come home with ideas about things that she wants to change. Um, And so it's a little bit intimidating to think about her coming back. We've been thinking about this guest list for a while, though. Um, And it's interesting to think about, you know, we were, I was reading this passage of scripture earlier this week, and I'm not sure, if Gabby and I were to have gotten married 2,000 years ago, I'm not sure Jesus would have been invited, um, if I'm being honest. Um, Don't tell anyone I said that, but I'm not sure we would want Jesus at our wedding, because Jesus is not the most polite guest uh, that you could possibly invite to any type of dinner party, not just a wedding, but any type of banquet, any type of dinner, any type of luncheon. Sure, we would love to have the water into wine reception Jesus, but we're not sure if we would want this Jesus who seems to call out the host, all the other guests, and points out their flaws in front of everyone. Jesus has a way of speaking truth when he enters into a room, and sometimes he just can't seem to contain himself. And that's exactly what he does this morning. In fact, I'm surprised that Jesus was invited to this dinner party um, where the setting was. Jesus, a couple chapters earlier in the Gospel of Luke, is also invited to a dinner party. And he shows up and he winds up infuriating everyone at the party because he sits with people he's not supposed to sit with. And he's touched by people who aren't supposed to touch him because they're unclean, they're dirty. Apparently, Jesus was never um, enrolled in Jewish cotillion. He didn't know the proper etiquette for how to carry himself in these types of dinner uh, meals and and receptions because he didn't eat with the right people. He didn't eat the right way. He didn't really care. He might have gone to cotillion, but at the very least, he's just the rebellious teenager that just said, this is all garbage. I'm not going to pay attention to it. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. Jesus isn't the most... Um, hospitable guest at a dinner party, especially when it comes to these Pharisees, these people who believe um, very strictly in order and in etiquette and in ritual and in tradition. 
So much so that the Pharisee culture is one where status is established by how well you follow those rules and how well you obey the etiquette norms and you live into the customs and the culture. In Pharisee culture, religion is tied to etiquette and there's a hierarchy where your status is is based on how well you follow these laws and how much you know about faithfulness. So here's the scene. Jesus goes into this uh, wedding reception, or it's not a wedding reception, it's a dinner party. And he's at this dinner and he's already made everybody mad because it's a Sabbath day. And at the cocktail hour, just a second ago before this, Jesus had healed a guy. And you're not supposed to work on the, you know, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, but he's already healed a guy when they were passing the hors d'oeuvres. And so when they're about to take their seats, He's already not necessarily in good standing with everyone, and everyone is watching him, especially like the socialites who are kind of judging him and seeing if this guy's really who he thinks he says he is. So they're watching him, and they begin to take their seats. Somebody says, dinner served, and that's when the rat race begins. All the guests begin to kind of maneuver their way to the best possible seats. And it's like, good evening, nice to see you, Charles. Get out of my way. And they start pushing their way to the best possible seats in the room. Jesus sees this happening. And he just says, all right, I have to say something. So he grabs his glass and he stands up. And I'd like to think that there was somebody beside Jesus, maybe one of his friends he brought along, who's like, Jesus, just let it go. Just sit down. Don't embarrass us. Just sit down, Jesus. He grabs him by uh, the robe and tries to pull him back. And he's just, I've got to say something. So ding, 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 ding. Before we uh, take our seats, I've observed some things. And I've got a couple stories I need to share. Number one. If you were ever invited to a wedding banquet, don't take the seat of honor. Don't sit next to the bride because how embarrassing would it be if the father of the bride comes up to you and taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, buddy, that's not your seat. And in front of everyone, you have to move your seat. How embarrassing would that be? And Jesus continues, the better strategy would be for you to... to Be humble and go sit on the outer edge because how amazing would it be if the bride then sees you and says, no, 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 come sit beside me, Cousin Eddie. And you sit down. And in front of everyone, you are rewarded and you are seen as privileged and you are seen as worthy of sitting next to the bride. It's much better to be lifted up and exalted by others than it is for you to just assume that you're exalted. And there's a sense, I imagine, in the room where some Pharisees were trying to figure out what that means. And they're thinking to themselves, actually, that sounds like Jesus is telling us how to play the game. If we fake humility, then we'll be elevated in front of everyone. If we pretend to be humble, if we pretend to be um, lowly and put ourselves in a lower place, then maybe at the end of the day, we'll actually be praised in front of everyone. How awesome would it be to be invited by the bride to sit beside her during the wedding reception? Wait. Awesome. Great. Good job. And so I imagine Jesus was sitting in the room. He sees some of the Pharisees thinking, that's a great strategy, Jesus. That's how you get ahead in life. You fake humility, and then you can be elevated. And I imagine that Jesus was probably sitting there thinking, you should not be nodding your head at this. So let me clarify. Let me give you another parable to share how this goes. In the second parable, he turns to the host, and he says to the host, loud enough for everyone to hear, um, hey, Simon, This is a great party and everything, but let me give you some tips for the next time you throw a party. Next time, don't invite any of these people. Don't invite your friends. 
Don't invite your people who you think are like the social climbers or the people that it will be nice if everyone knows you hosted a dinner party and they showed up. Don't invite your friends, your family. Don't invite anyone who could repay you, who might invite you back as a gesture, might invite you back to their dinner party when it's hosted. Don't invite anyone who's going to write you a really nice thank you note and send you a gift card. Don't invite any of those people. Instead, invite the poor. Invite the people who can't repay you back. Invite the people who are blind and lame and who are outcasts. That'll show us your true intentions. That'll show us why you're actually hosting the dinner party. Is it so that you can receive the praise? Or is it so that you can be a hospitable person to those people in your community? That'll be the test of your true character. And like this room right now, you can imagine that the air out of the room was just sucked out when Jesus said that. Because in this dinner party, not only has he offended all the guests, but he's also offended the host. Probably the top Pharisee, probably the richest Pharisee, probably the wealthiest, the one that you would want to suck up to in our culture, the one that you'd want to be buddy-buddy with. And Jesus point blank says, you're doing it wrong. All of you are doing it wrong. All of you are doing this for the wrong reasons. You're just doing this to climb the ladder. You're just doing this to get ahead. And then he probably takes his seat and everyone enjoys the rest of their dinner that night. The interesting thing about Jesus' parables, typically, is that when Jesus preaches a parable, they do two things. First, they tell you what the kingdom of God is going to look like. They give you hope for the future. But the second thing is they often tell you what it means to be a child of God and how a child of God should act. That sometimes stings a little bit. That sometimes is kind of a salt in the wound. It's not fun to be corrected or to have your, um, your flaws or what you're doing incorrectly changed and redirected in front of other people. But that's exactly what Jesus does in this moment. For the Pharisees and a lot of us, this passage sometimes stings. This parable hurts. But if you read the last two lines of the parables, again, you see that Jesus isn't just teaching about etiquette. He's not just redirecting their ways that they treat one another or ways that they kind of act and the formalities of things. He's trying to get them to live a completely different way of life. The last line of the first parable says, For all who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. That can be a really harsh word sometimes to hear. It echoes of a, of a message Jesus had said before, the idea of the first shall be last and the last shall be first. You've probably heard that before. Even if you're not a church person, you've probably heard Christians say that saying. That can be a harsh thing read one way. It can say that all of those things that you've worked so hard for in your life, climbing it up, making it to CEO, making the money, uh, being kind of lauded as the, you know, maybe the homeowners association president, whatever it might be, all those things that you've earned and you've received and that you've worked for hard in life, all of that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, all of it washes away. That stings sometimes to think that all that you've worked for here is worth nothing. 
But the thing about Jesus' parables is while they sting because they're redirecting our actions, they provide hope because it's telling us what the kingdom of God looks like. So this parable not only stings and says, stop climbing the social ladder, it's actually an invitation to get off the ladder. You don't have to be on this hamster wheel. You don't have to elbow your way through every dinner party trying to get the top seats. You don't have to keep fighting tooth and nail to get that promotion. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to gloss your Instagram page. You don't have to gloss your Facebook profile. You don't have to have the perfect vacation or the perfect kids or the perfect family life. You don't have to have all these things. Get off the hamster wheel and the cultural whatever it might be. Whatever it is you're chasing, you don't have to do that. If being number one is your goal, finishing last is in your future. At the end of the second parable, they give us a different, um, he gives us a different message, but it also stings. The second parable ends with, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The last line stings, you know, you're called to go out and do things for other people when they can't give it back, when they can't return it. You're called to give with no expectation of receiving in return. You're called to do with no expectation of having someone do something for you. It stings. All those things where you expected a gift, you expected at least a thank you note, all those things you might not receive because that's not what you're aiming for. All those people who have fought to get ahead, who you're inviting and trying to impress, you're called to not even invite them. And you know what that hurts the most is that sometimes when you invite the outsiders into the space, it forces the insiders who think that they're in your inner circle to kind of make room. And that can hurt relationships sometimes. But Christ calls us to make room for all and welcome them in. It's a stinging message, but it's also the image of God. It's the image of the kingdom of God. Because in the, image, in the kingdom of God, it's not about repayment. There's no expectation for repaying others. That's the very nature of grace, isn't it? The very nature of grace is offering something to someone that they can't repay, offering something to someone that they didn't deserve, that they didn't like earn in their work, and giving it to them with no expectation of them giving it back. It's the nature of grace. It's what the kingdom of God is. That's the promise. You know, I, uh, thinking back, I, I take back what I said earlier about not inviting Jesus to this party uh, because we probably should invite Jesus to our wedding. After all, I'm a pastor. <laughs> but I think the thing about Jesus is, though matter, he might offend some people sometimes and he might redirect your actions, which stings. But it's always coupled with good news. And the good news here this morning is that at that dinner party, at that table of grace, sometimes we didn't earn the invitation. Sometimes we didn't do enough to get on the guest list. And yet in the kingdom of God, you can guarantee that when you show up, there will always be a seat at the table with your name on it. Amen.